welcome to the way of the womb podcast my name is beck i'm your host and i'm a trauma-informed holistic birthing doula womb worker and earth lover i am here to support you and all womb owners whether that's through your monthly cycles and navigating the everyday or whether that's to support your journey through the rite of passage of pregnancy and birth my passion is to support souls to come home to themselves so you can connect back to your innate power, your intuition and the wisdom of your body so you can feel empowered and live your truth. On this platform, we will be discussing periods, pregnancy, plant medicine, birth, trauma, mental health, spirituality, earth to body connection and everything in between. This is a place for conscious souls to gather so that together we can heal, thrive and live authentically, unapologetically as ourselves. This is the Way of the Womb podcast. Hey everyone, thank you so much for coming on to listen and big thank you to Carmen who is coming on today to talk all about VBAC, vaginal birth after cesarean. Carmen is a powerhouse. We've just been talking about all the things that she's doing in the birth world, which is so amazing. And she is a founder of the Birth Coach Company. And Carmen, so happy that you're here today. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you so much for having me, Bex. Really, it's an honor to be here. Thank you. And we also have Luna with us as well. We do. So if you hear any (laughs) grunting sounds in the background, or noises okay that's you. you that's <laughs> <laughs> love it and we also like in the house i'm in at the moment we have three dogs so oh, if we hear barking then the postman's come with my sand- new sandals that i'm waiting on oh nice <laughs> um, yeah so let's dive in so you experienced a v-back in yeah. hospital when, when was that how old's luna now so Luna is seven months now. So it was on um, in November last year, uh, 2021, um, that I experienced it. And the thing is, I could have opted for a home birth, but I chose to opt for a uh, birth in the system so that I could see whether the mindset preparation that I did was sufficient enough for, you know, to be able to navigate the system without coming out and unharmed, uh, harmed, uh, you know, unharmed, should I say, with um, the birth experience. So that for me was the key thing. So let's call it, let's say I was sort of like a guinea pig, if that makes sense, if it makes it easier for, for everyone. Um, and yeah, it was, it was um, the, the work that I did was really deep. It was a lot of work that went into the preparation of my VBAC, um, but it was definitely like, it was worth it. It was so worth it. And if there was anything that I would say, I probably could have done with doing a bit more work than what I did. So this has kind of shaped things, even in terms of the preparation of the people that I'm going on to prepare for for their birth and for their VBAC also. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, that's so amazing. And, you know, because when we hear about, well, we don't really hear too much about VBAC. Obviously we're hearing it because yeah. we're kind of in echo chambers and women are... Mm-hmm. Yeah, saying no I'm gonna have a vaginal birth after having a cesarean how did you was that an easy decision for you to make were you just like I know I'm having a vaginal birth 
Yeah, for me, this time around, it was really easy. Um, I had had two previous uh, cesareans. So my first daughter was a cesarean because um, after I'd just gone into labor, she they had found out that she was breech. And this was over nine years ago. And of course, at the hospital, they were like, oh, yeah, you know, you, we don't really have anyone here that can, that can help you birth your baby breech. Um, so... You know, you can try, but yeah, we don't know if we can help you or, you know, that sort of thing. And it's like, okay, um, uh, or you can opt for, for a cesarean. So, of course, back then I had no knowledge of what I have today. And uh, I was, okay, right, let's go for the cesarean. So I opted for the cesarean that time around. Again, I did have a load of fear surrounding birth to the point that even looking at an image of a baby's head crowning in the picture or watching a birth video on TV of someone giving birth, my immediate reaction was to switch whatever I was watching off to close the book and close my legs. Like that's how terrified I was of birth. So this is just to give everyone a bit of context that even if you are feeling really afraid of birth, that's not your reality. That's something that can be totally shifted and changed because I went into birth with Luna completely like neutral there was no fear there was no anxiety there was no and like there was nothing there was absolutely it was just that neutral point and I'll go into more detail about that um in a little bit but the second time round was an uh an elective cesarean um reason being is because again I, I'd had such a terrible first time experience that I just needed that certainty I needed to know that things were going to be okay that things were going to work out as they should because the first time round, my husband was even sent home at one point. I was left laboring for hours by myself. Like it was just really, really hard for me. Um, and I actually ended up experiencing postnatal depression after that also um, because of the experience that I'd had. So the second time round, I needed that certainty. I needed that grip on everything. So even, and I, and I hadn't done any of the work and I had none of the knowledge that I have today um and yeah I think if I had if I did have the knowledge and if I did have the experience that I have today I would have opted for a V back then mm -hmm. once I got into the birth world like I started seeing things differently I started learning more about birth I started learning more about the ins and outs the the, the beautiful aspect of it the beauty of it and um it really kind of like created a little seed of an, a thought inside of my mind. And I thought to myself, you know what, if I ever fall pregnant again, I'm definitely going to try for a VBAC. Like everyone that talks about birth and, and you hear their experiences that are amazing. And it's just like, I haven't had that yet. And I want that. Like I, I want that. And um, yeah, so that was, I think the big, the big thing, the big light up inside of me. Um, and then I came across mindset work probably I think it was, no, it was November, 2020, even before then. Um, but I'd started delving into it, started digging a little bit into it and something like inside of me lit up and I was like, okay, there's something here. There's something here that needs to be explored. So I started exploring and started doing a lot of work on myself, really uncovering the fears. Um, I do something that's called a um, flipping the switch, flip the script um, exercise. Oh which is basically any thoughts that come into your mind, you have 90 seconds to be able to flip the script. So a thought that used to come up was like, I'm really terrified of birth. I'm so scared of birth. 
oh my God, what if this happens? What if that happens? Like that thought would come up, I'd immediately flip it. I'd be like, no, it's going to be fun. Everything's going to be fun. The birth is going to be amazing. I'm going to be amazing. Baby's going to be amazing. Everything's going to work out. I'm, I'm absolutely comfortable with birth. Birth is fabulous, you know, and I'd flip it and I'd keep doing that. Even though every fiber in my being would be like, oh, who are you kidding yourself? Like, really? But I just kept going. Said, was there like resistance when you would counteract <laughs> them thoughts? Was it like, yeah, yeah, with any of these words that I'm saying at first? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. For the first two, three weeks, it'll be your, 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 basically your analytical mind will come in and it'll be like, haha, bullshit, <laughs> bullshit, <laughs> you know, uh, but you just keep going. Literally just keep going, keep going up until the point that I then started doing that on autopilot literally so through the pregnancy itself there were a lot of times when I went in uh, you know I went in voluntarily to the appointments and to the scans and all of that and of course the very first booking appointment that I had the midwife was like oh you know should we just book you in for a third cesarean I was like uh no I'm trying for a VBAC yeah I don't know if that's going to be possible I said excuse me <laughs> she said yeah we'll have to speak with the consultant and then they'll decide whether you can or can't I looked at her and I was like ha, 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 we'll see about that <laughs> <laughs> yeah you don't need to give me permission hon I was like uh what had this been a couple of years ago before I did all of the mindset work my answer would have been okay yeah smile on my face yeah right absolutely so that would have totally been my answer then and yeah it was just it, it, I was mind blown I mean another occasion that occurred and I haven't mentioned this to many people but in my 20-week scan they had found that my placenta was attached to could have been attached potentially to my uterine scar mm. and that it was really low-lying it was like partially covering the cervix and they were a bit worried mainly because of it being attached to the scar and I left that appointment and let's say about 90% of people had they had that appointment they would have been like oh yeah game over I'm going to end up with another cesarean you know and they would have they would have brought that into their reality I chose not to I chose to on my walk to back to the car which took about 10 minutes of me waddling back to the car. <laughs> um, I constantly said to myself, the placenta is going to move. The placenta is going to be high up. The scar is not even going to be visible. It's going to be absolutely fine. Everything is going to work out as it should. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. And I kept repeating that all the way to the car. And then afterwards I was like, yeah, it's done. It's done. I don't even need to think about it. It's absolutely done. And I left it. When I was 32 weeks, I went in for another scan with the, um, the I don't know what the place is called, but it's, you know, it's a specialist scan or whatever. Um, so they did the scan. And when they saw the placenta was actually sitting up high and they couldn't even see the scar on the screen. Yes. They couldn't see the scar. Like, uh, she was like, but have you actually had a cesarean? I was like, yeah. We, we can't see your scar. I was like, oh, okay. That's interesting. Oh, and I got shivers when you said that. I yeah. chose for it not to come into my reality. Like how yeah. powerful the mind yeah. is. Yeah, totally powerful. Totally powerful. And what you focus on expands. Yeah. And was there, because I know there's a lot of talk about vaginal birth after cesarean is dangerous. Mm -hmm. um, Loads. <laughs> 
yeah did you experience um a lot of kind of these are the risks and kind of heavy mm-hmm. on the this is going to mm-hmm. happen xyz 100% yeah the scan the the uterine scar the rupture rate um that uh, you know it was dangerous because i was uh, because of my maternal age because of my bmi uh, because of so many number of things, like literally, I mean, the first appointment that I had with the consultant, <laughs> because they do they do things in such a way that like you'll get them being, oh, you know, we don't recommend you do this, we don't recommend you do that. But this consultant at the very start of the appointment, she was like, I totally am behind what you want to do. It's amazing. It's so wonderful. And then literally after all of that building up, but you know, you've got this risk over here, you've got this risk over here, you've got this risk over here. And what happens if you don't go into labor at this time, then you need to book in for this. And we strongly recommend you do this. And I was like, holy crap, what's going on? <laughs> you so it's know? Like, almost like trying to soften the blow. Exactly. Like, but yeah. every time she said something, I retaliated back. I'd respond. Every time I'd respond. My husband was with me at the time. And when we walked out of that appointment, he said to me, damn girl, you went totally ghetto in there. I was like, I was like, well, I'm sorry, but don't bloody throw sand in my eyes. Like I'm done. I'm done with all of these healthcare providers trying to scare the shit out of women, you know, for their benefit and for their purpose. I'm done. And also like you were informed, you knew yeah. what you were doing, you totally. knew what you wanted. Totally. Totally. And actually, when we look at the statistics, yeah. like that's that so low. The, the yeah. true statistic the is so low. Like chat is actually so low. Yeah, it's 0.2% if someone goes into spontaneous labor. 0.2%. Yeah, it's induction. It's it, yeah. Yeah. Because the 0.5% calculates everyone that's had an induction or a physiological birth. It's not just for physiological birth. So if you go into spontaneous labor, that risk lowers even further. So this is why, like, I just thought, what? Um, And then another occasion was going in for an appointment with another consultant and um, being presented with a piece of paper of a study that was done in 2010 of uh, VBAC um, after two cesareans and what the risks are for that. And he handed me the piece of paper. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm aware, but there's not enough evidence on that. And I just left it. Anyways, after Luna was born, I went back and got that piece of paper out. And I actually went and looked at the study and the, the numbers that were in the, on the piece of paper were different to the numbers on the study. He had put more that there was a higher risk on that piece of paper no. than on the actual study. Yeah. Yeah. Even though it was only a tiny amount, but still, it's it's just not okay. That not is okay disgusting. That. that is criminal. Yeah. Actually. It's bad. Really Talk bad. Fucking coercion. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Wow. So yeah, it was weird. And um then leading up to the to the birth, um, I had an appointment with the consultant on week, I think I was 40, yeah, the 40 weeks. So the estimated due date. Um, And that morning I woke up and I said to my husband, I don't want to go to this appointment today. And he said, well, if you don't want to go, don't go. It's like, yeah, I'm not going to go. So I called up and I said, look, I'm not coming. I've got a, I gave some excuse. And I thought, actually, why did I even give an excuse? I didn't need to give an excuse. Can you see how deep our conditioning goes? 
right? Absolutely, we feel like we have to explain ourselves. Continuous, and... yeah, but it's a continuous process. You've physically always got to keep working on your mindset because the conditioning just goes so deep. Um, but I didn't end up going, and funnily enough, I went into labor the very, the very next day. But this is another thing that's going to freak you out. Um, a oh. couple of weeks before, <laughs> I had said to my husband, I bet you I'm going to go into labor the day after the estimated due date, because that's the day that my mom arrives. I bet you that's going to be the day that I go into labor. And I was so affirm, like I affirmed it and I was so certain about it. And then lo and behold, I went into labor that very day. Like, <laughs> what are the odds? You know, it's just like, what the heck? <laughs> so when people say you can't manifest your birth, I'm sorry, but I totally, totally disagree. I do believe that you can manifest your birth. You are um, the evidence of a manifested bear. Exactly right. So yeah, anyways, going into the actual birth itself, um, I labored at home for quite a period of time. Um, and then after a point, I thought, okay, maybe I need to go in. So I went into the birth center. Um, I didn't have any examinations when I got there. I was like, no, I don't want it. They were fine with that. Um, we ended up, I ended up being in the pool for several hours. And I felt like a, a slight urge to kind of bear down, but it wasn't anything as powerful as what I, you know, as what it was like in true fact. It, it just felt like that little urge. And um, I mentioned it to the midwife and she's like, oh, you're probably, you know, dilated. Maybe it's time to, to push. Anyways, she got me pushing and pushing and pushing or bearing down. Well, I wasn't really pushing, but bearing down. And she was like, even to a point in time saying, oh, you know, um, I can see baby's head. Um, and I kept, I like, there was a clock behind me. I remember there being a clock behind me. And when I looked at the clock behind me, I was like, oh, it's almost, it's the same time that my first daughter was born. Maybe she'll be born at the same time. I remember thinking that to myself and I was bearing down and bearing down. And then after a period of time, I said to my husband, I said, why am I even bearing down? He said, I don't know. Are you not feeling like it? I said, no, I'm not. So I said to her, I said, no, just stop telling me to push. I'm not pushing anymore. Just leave me now. And they, they, they just, we stopped. She had got me pushing without me even being at that stage of being able to bear down. Wow. Just because I'd said I needed to. And I feel something else is that the bearing down phase is very underplayed when it comes to antenatal birth preparation. I mean, I've been at fault at that also. But for me, the bearing down was something that was so powerful, which I'll go into detail in a little bit. Um, but for me, it was just something really incredibly powerful, more powerful than what I had experienced then. Anyways, the next shift came on and then they started kind of, oh, you know, your labor's been taking too long. We need to get you up to the, lives. Yeah, we need to get you up to the labor ward. You need to go up to the labor ward. You need to do this. You need to do that. I kept, no, I don't want to. No, I don't want to. And of course, that whole, it's like that whole badgering. It's like a post that I created saying that um, going into birth in the system, you've physically got to go through like training through the Marines or with the CIA or something like that, because yeah. it's like they try and break you at your most vulnerable. And it's exactly what it feels like. It's like you say no, half an hour later, they're back at you. Do you we really, really recommend you go. I don't want to go. 
leave me alone <laughs> you know and it, it bursts your bubble it bursts that oxytocin bubble you know mm-hmm. um they had asked to do a, a vaginal examination and at one point i i agreed uh, even though i'd said i didn't want i didn't want them but i agreed to it mm-hmm. so they did um and i think during the time that i was in the birth center they did two and the funny thing is is when i asked for my birth debrief they um i asked them you know what it what the readings were because i didn't want to know what the readings were and they said at one point that i was five centimeters not that i believe in the centimeter thing either because you know people measure it differently then at another point i was eight centimeters Mm -hmm. and then it went back on itself to five Mm. and the reason for that was because my body closed up because i did not feel safe of course of yeah course. so understandable so they actually ended up delaying my labor because i could have had luna a lot earlier but in hindsight i feel this needed to happen for the reason that it did because what i'm going to tell you is going to blow your mind after this um so after all of that i actually got on the phone with kemi um after a period of time and I just said to her Kimmy I'm so tired like I'm really tired I'm exhausted I've been up for 24 over 24 hours I'm just she's like come and you need to sleep I was like I know but I'm struggling because the surges are coming really thick and uh, you know thick and, and hardly and it's just it's really really difficult to get some you know time to sleep close my eyes because they're coming close together and they're really intense and she said you just need to do what you need to do. You need to get some rest. So like, okay. So I t- came off the phone and I said to them, I'm ready. Let's, let's go. Let's go to the labor ward. I think I need to take an epidural, a mild, like uh, the shorter, you know, the shortest kind of epidural that there is not the long lasting one, yeah. the one that you can top up every, every so often, because I just need to get a couple of hours sleep to yeah. get this back on track. And that's what we did. We I agreed to it, and they were taking me upstairs in a um, in a wheelchair. And at that point in time, I couldn't actually even sit on the wheelchair. I remember going up on the wheelchair. I was kneeling on the wheelchair, hugging the the back of the the chair, being wheeled up. And there was a point in time where, in my head, that little voice came up, and that little voice was saying, "You're not going to get it. You're not going to get your V back." You're going up to the labor ward, it's game over. Think of all the people you're letting down. You're letting down so many people because you're messing this up. You are messing this up. And after a point in time, literally 30 seconds, I was like, this isn't a set. This, no, everything's going to be fine. I'm going to be fine. I'm still going to get my V back. This is just a minor setback. I need to sleep. It's going to be absolutely fine. I'm going to get my V back. And, uh, and then it kind of, I flipped it. So it was fine got into the labor ward, got into my room, had the epidural. They, um, the epidural was uh, put in. I got about two to three hours sleep. I had a peanut ball in between my legs and I was lying down on the side. It was absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't even lying on my back. Um, they asked if they could continuously monitor. At that point in time, I was just, I was so exhausted that I was just like, okay, that's fine. Just, yeah, monitor her. The joke of the matter with the monitoring, Bex, is that when Luna had been born and they took out the um, the little reading, the pieces of paper, the the um, 
the rates of their heart were literally perfect. Like the midwife even said, we could actually just take this and frame it just to show what a perfect heart rate is. <laughs> and she kept saying, you know, baby's really happy inside. She's like, she's fine. She's happy. She's, there's like no reason to take her out sooner. Like she's absolutely happy and everything. Mm -hmm. So it was like, it was amazing. Um, and then afterwards, um, after I'd had the epidural, after I'd had my sleep, another shift happened, another changeover. And the midwife that came to look after me then was a amazing midwife who had actually had two cesarean births herself. She did not want a third baby because she was scared of having another cesarean. And she didn't feel that a VBAC after two cesareans was a possibility. Oh my God, I've just got shivers everywhere. <laughs> that so that's why I say that everything happens for a reason and in divine timing. 100%. And I'm thinking about it now. And my heart is just so full because a few weeks after I'd given birth to Luna, I did like, uh, sometimes I do in my stories, like, um, you know, have, are you planning a VBAC? Uh, what are you doing? Like this, that, and the other. And I give like the, those polls that we do. And in one of the polls that I did, when I asked the question, would you consider having a VBAC? That midwife came on and said, yes. Oh my God, that's going to make me cry. <laughs> So that literally just shows the ripple effects that we yeah, can do yeah, when we exactly. reclaim our power exactly. and reclaim our yeah. base and absolutely. take control. And absolutely. She, she was meant to be there. She was meant to be there totally because even with the consultants coming in, oh, you know, we're going to give you another couple of hours. And if baby's not here, we strongly recommend you have your third cesarean, blah, blah, blah. You know, that conversation, that yeah. nonsense. And when they do that, I'd, they, I'd look at the guy or the woman or whoever it was, and I'd be like, in my head, I'd be thinking, yeah, you've got another thing coming if you think I'm getting on that fucking operating table. <laughs> like, literally, I, I was just smiling. I'd be like, yeah. In my head, I was going, no, that's not happening. It's not happening. That mindset, that yeah. work, to get to that place. Strong. Like, strong like them really strong. on yeah. not moving and really yeah like, I'm sure the thoughts came up like you said then you had that yeah thing. they did yeah yeah they being did. able to hold that and be mm -hmm. grounded in it yeah that yeah, totally. yeah that faith that trust and I trusted I did trust um and this is why I say like when someone when I ask someone how are you feeling about birth and when they tell me they're feeling excited or they're feeling happy that rings alarm bells for me because the excitement, the emotion that we feel in our body is exactly the same of that as anxiety mm -hmm. and of fear. Mm -hmm. Excitement and anxiety and fear, the feelings are exactly the same. So when I tell you that I went in neutral, I went in neutral. I went in calm. I went in trusting. I wasn't excited. I wasn't, yes, I was happy, like loved, but I was not excited or anxious or anything like that I was neutral and calm um, and that's vision of like this pure presence like this strong like a tree where everything's like moving around and you're just like and I'm just here and I'm yeah. just like yeah beautiful. totally and it was just that neutral feeling and every time that they'd come that the midwife would come in she was like even willing me to have the v-bag because she'd be like 
they've gone in for another surgery that buys us some more time they've gone in for another surgery like literally it was just like the I mean, whole thing I don't know how many surgeries to do for no no it's not great but it's like everything was like kind of made, like willing and happening for me to achieve it like it was insane um there was a point in time then afterwards where I was lying on my side and I started feeling like that pressure in the back passage. But this pressure was something far greater than I'd felt the first time around. I could actually feel my sacrum sort of like almost like flaring out, like moving. Mm. And I was on my side. And at that point in time, I said to the midwife, I said, yeah, I'm feeling, she's like, are you feeling something? Because she heard me like a, uh, Mm-hmm. like that that sound she's like are you feeling something I said yeah it feels like it's it's time so she said okay well I need you to come onto your back I was like with the conditioning I still went to slightly go and then afterwards I was like no no I don't want to line my back I said no I don't want to line my back I'm going to move to my for to my front I'm going to move on to a kneeling position so I called my husband and I said come here, come here and help me. So he helped me. Flipped, I flipped over onto my front and then I just felt those urges and my pelvis, I could feel oh, it God. moving. I could feel my baby Luna coming further down into the pelvis. And it was just that, that opening of the pelvis. It was powerful. It was, and it was just that urge to bear down. And it was, it was stronger than anyone could ever control. Like you could feel it. You could really feel it. And that um, connection to your body to be able to yeah. feel them intricate yeah. movements and although, yeah, the yeah. pressure, but wow. Yeah. Totally, totally. So at that point, I felt everything. The, the epidural had completely gone. I felt everything. And um, even the ring, well, what, people call the ring of fire I call it the ring of power because it's a really powerful yeah it's a it's a really powerful feeling to feel um like even that it was like oh it took my breath away but it was it was amazing and at that point the midwife was like oh do you want to feel your baby's head crowning and everything inside me was like no I I don't I don't not right now because I need to focus like I need to focus I need to be in that zone where I'm focusing on this at the minute. And if I do that, it might distract me. It might freak me out. You know, I don't know what the experience would have been, but I thought, no, it's best just to focus in because I'm so close and I just need that. And afterwards, like her head came out and I could feel her head in between my legs. Wow. Her body obviously came after and it was incredible just seeing her there she had she did have her cord wrapped around her neck which again I want to reiterate that that Mm -hmm. is not something that is out of the normal Mm -hmm. it's something that is very normal and that is okay totally okay for it Mm -hmm. to happen um all the midwife did was help me just take it out or from her neck and then I brought her up into my arms and onto my chest and that was that for me was the vision that I held was scooping her up into my arms and bringing her into my chest and I didn't know that it was a girl so I was holding a baby that I had no idea whether it was a baby girl or a baby boy and after literally a few seconds of holding her and realizing holy crap I did it you did it I did it 
um, it was, yeah, it was mind blowing. And then of course I saw it was a girl and <laughs> I, I remember oh. saying to my husband, uh. I'm really sorry, it's another girl. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and those were the words that came out. I don't know why, but yeah, he just started laughing. It was just like really, really funny. Like we just all started laughing. <laughs> oh, bless. Oh my um, God. That moment they were calming when yeah. you were like, despite all the odds, all of the coercion, you know, even yeah. to the point of changing statistics on a fucking piece of paper. I know, right? <laughs> appointments, scans, trying to find all of these different reasons that your cluster's high risk to yeah. not be able to, you know, thinking you're not able to birth your baby through your vagina or being told that. Mm-hmm. To then go through yeah. labor, yeah. however many hours we're at now, after yeah. 24 is gone, yeah. In a hospital setting, yeah, and bathe your yeah. baby through your vagina yeah. after two cesareans. Like, so it's I had gone, incredible. It, it's huge. I'd gone into labor on the Thursday, the 25th of November, um, 2021. It was about seven o'clock in the morning, and I had Luna on Saturday, the 27th of November, at 2 16 in the morning. So 2.16 a.m. So already there, that had been almost 48 hours of labor and birth. So and again, was that the first time, so the first two births, were they um, opted cesarean sections? They weren't emergency, they were up, like booked in. They, yeah, they were. So the first one was considered emergency, but I consider it an unplanned cesarean okay. because I'd gone into labor and she was a breach. The yeah. second one was a planned was okay. a hand cesarean um the funny thing is though um after i'd had luna the midwife um afterwards we were talking and the midwife afterwards said to me you've changed something here so i was like how so she said a consultant walked in through the door as you were birthing luna on your knees and they had never seen anyone birth their baby in that position before wow and the funny thing is, is when I turned into that position, it took 16 minutes to birth her. So 16 minutes it took to birth Luna after I changed position onto my knees. Wow. And that ripple effect that you have had by doing that mindset work, by choosing how you wanted to be manifesting your bit and then going and fucking doing it like a powerhouse that you are <laughs> like you did with all of your babies of course you bit all of your babies yeah 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 yeah. but to have that ripple effect for the midwife yeah. the consultant for your family for mm-hmm. Luna for yeah. all the women that listen to this all, all the people that listen to this podcast for all yeah. the people you share this with that ripple effect yeah. absolutely is like you can't even put that in a container how many people yeah. the stories reaching yeah absolutely hundred percent it's huge it's It's huge and it is one of the things afterwards that I asked my husband I said to him you know was there any ever any point in time during the birth where I said I can't do this I don't want to do this anymore I I can't do this I'm not going to be able to get this done and he sat there for a moment and then he looked at me and he said no it's like you had this certainty about that you knew you were going to get it like you had no doubts at all. You knew you were going to achieve it. You knew it was yours. You knew you were going to get it. 
And um, he said, no, there was, there was never that doubt. So for me, that was, that was huge also, um, knowing that, because sometimes when you are in, um, you know, when you're laboring, you don't exactly remember all of the very fine details. Yeah. And um, the fact that he was able to be there to ask and to tell, that was, that was massive, really, really massive. And so why aren't more people having vagina birth after cesareans? Because obviously we know our cesarean rate is up to 75% here in the UK, which yeah. is fucking terrifying. But therefore most of them are probably first-time mums as well. So why aren't more people having vaginal births after cesareans, do you think? For me, I think it's the fear element. I think it's the fear element. I think it's the fact that they haven't done the necessary mindset preparation because I know that there are, there are there will be some educators out there that will be doing like the mindset work digging deep you know um you know like yourself you you'll go through that mindset process with um yeah. with your expectant parents that you you know checking in what their fears are etc cetera, etc cetera. but then there'll be other type of preparation that claims to be doing mindset work but it's not really mindset work because for me mindset work is really digging deep into the nitty-gritty really uncovering what it is that that person believes in and really unblocking that and and you know changing the reality um through this process of of all the work that we do when it comes to mindset because there is that possibility of rewiring the brain the thing is with our brain our brain works in a very like clever way i guess because our subconscious mind has been designed to move away from pain and move towards pleasure and at this point in time your subconscious mind believes that holding on to your beliefs your current beliefs that you hold is bringing you more pleasure and that change is actually going to bring you pain why because we've got a very old prehistoric brain we still believe that there is a saber-toothed tiger lurking around waiting to catch us and that's what it feels like when we change you know when we want to change something so what I do within my system is I create as much pain as possible for that person to keep hold of the old beliefs. I take them through a breakthrough process. And by the time I'm finished, I ask them, so do you still want to keep hold of that belief? And they're like, no, 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 no. And that already gets them in the, the, the foot in the door to be willing to change. The whole reprogramming, neuroplasticity, is something that takes time yeah. but it's something that takes perseverance and it's really you know digging and going through that and, and working through that like the mindset thing it's it's a daily practice it's yeah. not something that you, you can just do once mm -hmm. and that's it game over you know I, I i program reprogram my mind on a daily basis more times than anyone would think like even two, three, four, five, six times a day sometimes. Like yeah. literally, I'm always doing different practices throughout the day because yeah. um, the mindset is truly, truly powerful and truly important. So if people can work on that, then I believe that they will be able to let go of any fear. But I think fear for me is the number one thing as to why people are not agreeing to, um, to opt for a VBAC. Mm -hmm. um, that and, of course, the statistics that they get thrown because – when you hear, oh yeah, there's a 0.5% chance that 
your scar might rupture, you think, whoa, that, that's quite a big one. But if you flip that around and if you were to say, actually, there's a 99.5% chance that everything will be fine, it sounds different, right? Definitely. It's just like knowing that the true percentage of spontaneous labor is actually 0.2%. So there is a 99.8% chance that everything will go amazingly well. And the thing is, what you focus on expands. So if you're going to focus on all of the risks, all of the statistics, all of the evidence, guess what? You're going to call that in. Yeah. So this is why, I mean, I teach the evidence, I teach the statistics, but I always say to my expectant parents, I'm teaching you this, but don't hold on to that. Just know that it's there, look at it, observe it, and then put it away. You don't need to fixate on that because who even is to deem that that evidence or those statistics are 100% accurate? Mm-hmm. They are based on different people. You don't know what the mindset of those people were at the time of the giving birth. Like, you mm-hmm. don't know. There's you know? so many different things. And also, like, you know, I did, I wrote a post mm-hmm. today that, or yesterday, that actually how we birth depends on what mood our midwives in, what uh-huh. consultants work in that day. There's Absolutely. so many different elements yeah. of yeah. energy they're bringing into the room, but also yeah. how they show up for their job that day. Yeah. There is expectation. There is a study that was done on expectation where um, a scientist um, took um, mice. And I know obviously mice aren't the same as humans, but the study, hear me out. Um, They took a group of mice and um, overnight, the scientist basically divided the group of mice into two groups. One group, he, in each of their cages, he wrote that they were really clever mice. They were really clever, really intelligent. In the other group, he wrote that the mice were really stupid, like they were really dumb mice. The next morning, he had a whole load of scientists come through where um, they each got a a mouse and they had to run that particular mouse through the maze, knowing that the mouse that they had was either really clever or the mouse they had was really stupid and dumb. So they did that and they found that the mice that were labeled as really clever did twice as well as the mice that were dumb. And the joke is, is that the mice were all exactly the same. It's all in the expectation. It's like, for instance, in school, when kids are in school, because the fact of the matter is, is we're all born with a clean slate. Like I wasn't born dumber than anyone else. I was also not born cleverer than anyone else. We're all born on a very clean slate. It's the expectation that our parents hold about us, that our teachers hold about us, that society holds about us, that then deems and goes on to deem whether we are more intelligent than others. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like you'll have in school, the teacher's pet usually will be a a child that exceeds that, you know, gets really high marks um, in class. Whereas the child that's always being told off or being told, you know, you're doing this or you're doing that wrong or, or you did this, then, you know, and that, then they'll probably be a child that doesn't really, you know, have those high marks and stuff. Um, they found that it was all about the nurturing and the love. And I feel when you have a midwife or healthcare provider in the room with you, that doesn't necessarily believe that you are going to achieve that birth that you say you're going to achieve, then you need to get them the hell out of there. And this was the very feeling that I had with the very first midwife that I had. Mm. I could feel the vibe coming off of her that she was, it just felt that way that she was probably thinking to herself, 
who the hell do you think you are coming in here having trying to have a feedback after two cesareans like you just got the i just got that vibe from her and you can sense these things you know as a as a mother as an intuitive person you can you can sense it and at that point in time i should have actually told my husband look can you go and ask for someone else and i could have had someone else in the room yeah but I just thought, let me let this ride. Let me see what happens. Let yeah. me see how far this stretches, how far this goes. How far can I push my mind when they wake after yeah. that mindset and test myself? And it's amazing. Those pays off, hasn't it? Bloody hell. Yeah, totally. What, so what would you say, like, the big, biggest obstacle is that someone would face, you say if someone's listening to this and, like, really, really want to be back, don't even know how to start like my partners hearing the statistics my family and they're like no you shouldn't do that you know the classic yeah. and if they want it oh. but we're being told by all external people not to what yeah. other obstacles would there be facing like because obviously we hear about the risk but what do they tell you the risks are so with regards to that like I didn't actually tell my family that I was having a VBAC I told only my husband only my husband knew because I know, like, I'd experienced a, um, a miscarriage before getting pregnant with Luna. And at that point in time, I was very open with sharing that I wanted to be back with certain people. And they were like, oh, my God, you're crazy. That's not possible. Like, you just started hearing all of these stories. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, the miscarriage happened. And at that point in time, before the miscarriage, I hadn't done any work on my mindset at all. And... Then when the, the the mindset work started, like things just shifted and inside me, I felt, I felt called not to actually mention it to anyone. I felt the only people that needed to know what my decision was, was my husband. And that was it. Like I didn't need to entertain the conversation with anyone else. And he was always totally on board. And this is something that I always encourage everyone doing. I always say to them, you know, get your partners in on a, an amazing course with, um, you know, with you really going into what type of work it is that you do and, and you know, whatever, whatever it is, how, how, how um, physiological birth is, how, how things are, really get them to come by and be there with you present. And then afterwards, you need to have a really deep conversation with them. You need to really sit down with them and ask them, do you trust me? Because yeah. this is the exact conversation that I had with my husband. Do you trust me? And depending on what they say, yes or no, my husband's answer was yes. Do you trust that I won't be that person that tries to be a hero and puts our child's life at risk? And he said, yeah, totally. Do you trust that I know exactly what I'm talking about, that I know my body better than anyone else? that I know what I'm talking about when it comes to birth preparation. And he said, yeah, you know better than what I do. So I totally trust you. I trust you. And that for me was huge because having him trust me and having him know that it was a possibility and that everything was going to be okay was amazing. So for me, it's really getting that person behind you 100%. And if they can't get behind you, then they need to back off and you need to find someone that can get behind you because bringing someone into the room that doesn't fully believe or trust that you aren't, let's say you're not, you're not doing, you know, you're not have trying to have a V back just to, just to be a hero. You're not trying to have a V back just to be a superwoman or whatever, you know, 
you're trying to have a VBAC so that you can protect your body, you can protect your baby, you can protect the, the, the true rights of passage of, that you deserve, that you deserve as a woman, as a person, you know. Um, you're here for so much more. And, and this is why sometimes I get people to actually journal on why is it that they want a VBAC? You know, why do you want a VBAC? Spend some time journaling on that. Why, why do I want a VBAC? You know, what are the reasons? What is my why? Because when you can have that why, you can get behind it so much easier. If it's just, if it's just oh, yeah, you know, I just want to show off to those healthcare providers and just show them and tell them ah, who's boss. You know, that's not a good like enough reason. Yeah, and it's the same, you know, it's really what you're saying really rings true for a lot of mums that I work with that are choosing to free birth. Yeah. I'm like, well, why? Yeah. If it's like from this place of, you know, kind of what you said earlier about the fear and excitement, is it if it's an experience of I've had a really terrible experience and I never want to go to a hospital again because I'm really scared. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay, well, we need to talk about that. Like, there's a lot absolutely. in there. Like, yeah, the why and also how you said about boundaries as well or what I would call boundaries is you know not communicating what you're doing to everyone because mm -hmm. as soon as we yeah. communicate how we're choosing to be it's almost like we then hold up a sign being like tell me your opinion and also your scary stories and it's like exactly it's not helpful so no. yeah that's so beautiful and asking them questions with your partner that's so important yeah. To have yeah. that solid foundation of someone that's like, I know you've got this and yeah. that you know that they know that. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. And of course, also being prepared. Like I I did a bit of uh, looking into the rights in pregnancy and birth and I purchased the book and I read the book and, you know, I understood that you can basically do whatever you want. Like you can do whatever you want. You've got a choice. You know, you don't have to do as they're telling you to do. Yes, they might try and fearmonger you, which is not okay. But essentially, you do not have to do as they wish because you have a choice. You have that right. You have that choice. And for me, it's, it's really, really understanding that on a core, deep core level, really finding your voice within. Because if you are the type of person like me as a child, I was very closed um, in terms of my voice. I'm a lot more vocal now compared to what I was before. Like I, as a child, people used to say, oh yeah, you're really shy, you're really shy. Again, that was a label that was put upon me because if you were to look at me at the age of three or four years old, you know, I, I've got my hands on my hips. I'm like all sassy and loud and dancing and this, that and the other. And again, it's the childhood conditioning that I had. You've got to be quiet. You've got to do as you're told. You should speak only when you're spoken to. You know, um, you, you need to think before you talk. Do you know how many times I used to find myself wanting to say something? I'd stop myself on my tracks and I'd be thinking in my head, should I say this? Shouldn't I say this? Should I say this? Shouldn't I say this? And I'd be pondering on and on and on up until the point that I thought, mm, yeah, I'm not going to say this. And I'd keep it bottled in. Mm. The amount of times that I did that so many freaking times mm -hmm. after I did this deep work it's like something unleashed in my throat and it just like I just ramble on and I just talk so much about birth and about different things because I think I was put on this earth to be able to voice myself to be able to speak up to be able to show people that maybe there is something different about birth that we aren't seeing right now maybe 
birth isn't as scary as what it needs to be or what people are making it out to be. Maybe birth, what if? What if you can actually manifest your dream birth? What if? What if birth is that beautiful experience that you have no words of what it could actually be like because it is the most magical and just mind-blowing experience that you could ever experience in your life? What if? What if? So it's just, and it's looking at even the birth preparation that we have nowadays. Should we not be preparing women and birthing people on a more spiritual level? What about like really digging deep? What about really seeing and finding their true power within? Because everyone has that power within them. No matter what anyone says, everyone has that power within. The only thing that is stopping that power is the belief system that that person holds at that very time. Mm -hmm. That can be uncovered and worked through. We can unleash a whole new being when it comes to birthing their baby. So, yeah. Oh, it's like mic drop. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. It's so important. Yeah, totally. So important. important. Trying to think if there is anything else that I needed to mention. Yeah, I don't think there is though. So any other questions? So mind work is the way forward. If you're wanting your birth, your dream birth. I do feel it is, uh, Bex. I really, really do feel it is. Um, the mindset work, for sure. Um, I mean, studies have shown that literally mindset is everything. You know, in order to succeed, it's all got to do with 80% mindset and 20% mechanics. So for me, the mindset is a huge thing. You can do anything you want. And of course, there's also the laws of the universe. There's the law of divine oneness, which is what is possible for one is possible for all. If I had my V back, anyone that is listening to this podcast can totally 100% have their V back too. Absolutely. And so if someone's listening to this and feel inspired, as I'm sure every single person will, because I really do, is listening to this and is like, do you know what? Actually, maybe I'm gonna go for a vaginal birth, maybe they're pregnant. What would your what if you had one piece of advice? What would your piece of advice be? My piece of advice would definitely be unpack everything that you've ever been told about birth from your childhood. Unpack it, question it, find out where you heard it from really dig deep and like because this work it's it's ongoing you know it's literally ongoing and the thing is you can come to me or to any other coach and they can tell you do this do this do this and we can help you but you need to meet us halfway you need to meet us halfway because it's not just about attending the sessions It's going away and actually physically doing the work, the deep level work. And when I mean deep level work, I'm not saying here's a little meditation, listen to this every day. You know, here's a hypnosis, listen to this every day. Yes, that's a one way to rewire your brain. But whenever you've got that analytical mind coming through, that analytical mind is literally going to be calling BS on everything because you haven't 
really looked at what's bugging you on a deep core cellular level. Just like affirmations, the same thing. You know, you can have someone saying affirmations like, I birth with ease, but if they've got like in their head, geez, birth is freaking painful and scary. What like what makes them think that that I birth with ease is going to get through into the subconscious? It's just not. And the way we've been teaching people to say affirmations is totally wrong. We need totally to wrong. almost empty the cup of all the shit that's filled in them. Yep. Fill it with all of the beauty and the affirmation. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I usually say you need to clear the shit away first and then sprinkle the glitter because <laughs> otherwise you'll just get sprinkled, uh, sprinkled shit that still smells. So always clear away the shit first and then sprinkle the glitter. Um, but yeah, I think that's for me. And the quickest way to be able to do that is to discover what the identity of the person is that has already achieved birth on their terms. Mm -hmm. If you can really knuckle in on what the identity is of that person. So what would that person be doing? What would they, you know, how would they be talking? What would they be like? How would they and show up? What would they say? How would they show up? Exactly, exactly, Absolutely. exactly. And embody that person and then take all of the inspired action. Even if the inspired action makes no sense at all. Like I've taken inspired action hits where in my, in my mind, I've been thinking, this doesn't make any sense. But I've still gone in and I've trusted and I've done it, you know, it's trusting, it's yeah. the trust. But I think changing will be from an, ide an identity level for sure. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's been so many, I've had shivers about eight times. So oh, and yeah, thank you so much for sharing your story and your journey You're with welcome. the girls. It's incredible. Um, and you. So if anyone's listening to this, can you please share where we can find you? I know you, I don't know if you still have a course out about VBAC. Um, yeah, so we've yeah, got, um, yeah, absolutely. So um, they can find me on Instagram at the birth coach company. Um, I've got two different courses. So I've got the one which is Unleash Your VBAC Power, which is together with um, Kemi Johnson. So it's a two day um, course and uh, it covers the uh, statistics around VBACs. It covers mindset it covers physiological birth it covers rights and pregnancy and birth and a few other things um that's like a very it's a very basic sort of entry level it doesn't include anything to do with like preparing like in terms of breathing and, and all of that sort of stuff um my unshakable course which is the second course option which is um, a hypnobirth prep course it takes hypnobirthing to a whole nother level um, which includes like, you know, the breathing mindset work, but the mindset work is like really full on. I go through this breakthrough process that I was talking about earlier in the podcast. Um, that is another option. And I've included now the module with the VBAC stuff in there also. So people have the two options um, to do, but that's the information's all on my, um, all on my Instagram amazing so i will put your details in the show notes and thank, thank you, you so much for coming oh, on thank you thank you so much for having me take care thanks babes bye take care
thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the way of the womb podcast if this episode resonated with you and if you enjoyed this episode please take a screenshot and share this on your social media tag me at beck wallace birthkeeper and drop me a message let me know how you found it and if you feel called please feel free to leave a review it just helps other people to find the podcast so that we can build community and gather together thanks so much sending all the love